And one of the great things in our picture book section now is like when I look around the shelves, I have just, I have like 11 of those units times three. So 33 chances to put a book in the front that is one that I want people to see and that I will help show representation of all kinds of people that make up the community that we live in and people from outside of the community that we live in. Hello, friends, and welcome to season six of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. This is a podcast for all librarians wherever you are in your journey. It is filled with amazing guests, important topics, and engaging conversations that will inspire, engage, and support all of us as Future Ready Librarians. I am your host, Shannon McClintock-Miller. I'm the district teacher librarian at Van Meter Community School in Van Meter, Iowa, and I serve as the Future Ready Librarian spokesperson. I have the pleasure of working within my library and school community and also with others around the country and world through Future Ready Librarian events, conferences, consulting, writing, and more. I am honored to bring these voices and the work of others to our podcast and to all of you. I'm really excited today because we get to talk to somebody that I admire so much, and I'm sure that you know her from hashtag classroom book a day. We were just talking about like Twitter and social media, and that's where I think I first learned about all the amazing things that you do. Well, thank you. That's where I learned about a lot of amazing things that a lot of people are doing and where I get many of my ideas. I love it. I know we're so lucky you think about like where we were before this and how we learned about things. It's pretty crazy, but let's just start by having you introduce yourself and tell us about where you work now and also just a little about your background too. Sure. So I am currently an elementary librarian at, um, in my sixth year as a librarian, but my first year in this new district Um, Prior to that, I spent 11 years as a seventh and eighth grade language arts teacher. So that was my first calling in in teaching. And then um, left the classroom for a bit and um, to work with teachers and then decided to come back and be with kids again because I really missed them. And so wanted to go back and get my library license and have a chance to kind of impact the school-wide culture of literacy. And um, found a job while I was doing my MLIS at an elementary school that was a part-time position. So it worked perfectly while I was finishing school. So I was there for five years. And then this past year, um, got the opportunity to move to a different district. Um, that as far as the community and everything is like a 180 difference from where I was at before, as far as, you know, funding and things like that, and the makeup of the students, but it's been really great. And it's been a really interesting experience. Um, so my first five years as a librarian, I was at the one school for three of those years. And then that was the year that COVID hit at the end and I was finishing my MLIS. So I then, um, one of the other schools that had a halftime librarian, that librarian was retiring and I, everybody knew that I wanted to try to go full time because I had the time then. And so um, I interviewed and got that position also. So combined, I was full time, but I was at split between the two different schools evenly. So, um, so I had those two and then a new school this year that I moved into and, it's been wonderful and amazing and all those great things and um, delving into the world of makerspace more in my new building because they had done a huge initiative. So that's been fun. 
Um, but it was the kind of situation where um, I got into the building. I was like, oh, they have a lot of books. Like, it'll be great. This is my third time doing this. I should have known that it wasn't always what it appears at first and realized I had a little more work ahead of me than I, than I maybe expected. So, um, so yeah, it's been a lot of work this year, but a lot of fun and a, and a very supportive building in school. Um, in a unique situation, I went from the third largest district in Wisconsin to now one of the smallest. So we're a K-8 district with just one elementary and one middle school. So I'm K-4 through fourth grade at my school. And then we have a librarian, Chad Lehman, who you know, and did a, one, of the vis- one of the talks this season too about our policy changes. Um, and so he's the middle school librarian. So that's yeah. so great. I know. I love that you guys work together. I think that's awesome. He's, he's amazing. It's been a really, really fun thing to do, um, especially somebody who's more experienced in library than I am, and especially has been in the district a few years. <laughs> so that's been been nice to have also, but um, he's super supportive when we get to work together. So oh, that's well, yeah. I, I think about this and like your story and just like, you know, doing a little reading like before we spoke today and I've always been in the same library, but every year it seems like we do things to revamp or change up and make it better for our kids. And I know that that's something that you're very passionate about is just revamping your, I guess, not only elementary library for people listening, but any library to support student success. And, and that's what I would love to hear more about today. And I know that just with your background and the things that you share online, that I know that our listeners would love to hear that too. Thank you. So, you know, it was a, it was a funny moment that I had um, two things, one at this new job and when I got in and started doing stuff at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, there's there's more work than I expected. And it as I was walking the shelves and just just shelf walking to see what needed to go off the shelves and like moldy, ugly, yellowed, old stuff. And I had this moment of like realizing now in the third library that I've been in that has not had consistent weeding before I arrived um, for many years that it was instinctive to me at this point, this third time around, what wasn't so instinctive to me at the beginning in my first school. So I actually like, it was August and it was hot and there was no air conditioning in there. And I had a long day and I was like, you know, I feel like I just need to share some of this. Cause I was also seeing a lot of comments in the Facebook groups about like, Oh, I'm worried about weeding and all this stuff. And you know, it, and I, I am of the belief that, you know, we need to be weeding to keep a collection exciting for kids. And I can't do a lot of what I want to do if all my shelves are full of books spine out. I just can't. And, um, and so I actually put out like a weeding manifesto. (laughs) It's like, okay, here's the steps of what I do and put it out there for people. Because I realized, you know, the advice we often get is don't weed anything the first year. Right. And when I started in my first library and I was just starting my MLIS and and I had that advice and I thought, you know, I'm not going to weed anything at the beginning. We're just going to see how kids use the space and see what teachers need and all of that. And that lasted all of like 10 days, I think, before after school, I just started yanking books off the shelves. And literally, I had the most amazing assistant, Lori, who was like, just throw them on the floor. I will come behind you and sweep them up and then scan them out in the computer and box them up as they need to. And, you know, the reason was because after in the very first library class that I had with older kids in that school, 
I don't know if it was third or fourth grade, but the assistant had been there and I was new and start with the read aloud always, and then set them free to do checkout. And the thing that happened was said, okay, you know, time to go look for books. And they swarmed my assistant, all the kids. And where's this? Where's that? I want that. I want the book so-and-so had, how do I find blah, blah, blah. And it was this clarity moment for me that was like, if we don't set this library up in a way that students can be self-sufficient for browsing purposes, then we are going to get burnt out because there's only two of us and there's 25 of them. And so it was, it was kind of all coming together in this, this idea. And, you know, I did teach middle school for 11 years. I had an extensive classroom library of over like 2000 books, I think at that point. And I always had put them in bins. Like I buy literally the plastic shoebox bins, the clear ones from Target. And sometimes I don't even take the lids if I don't want to deal with them. Um, and they're like, you know, they used to be like 99 cents and now they're a little over a dollar. But I just buy those clear bins because I want things that kids can flip through. And I buy like the name tags, like the hello, my name is stickers and just write on them. So I keep it really inexpensive and simple. And put on the bins, you know, when I had that middle school classroom, the genres and authors and topics and things like that. And I just knew how successful that was with those kids. And so I thought, you know, why can't I put this thing, same thing into a library? Um, and so that's kind of how it started. But I had to make room on the shelves first. And it's, it's amazing to me. Um, part of it, too, is like when kids get into a series and they want to know, like, where's the next book in the series, right? And if it's eight books and it's shelf out on the on the or spine out on the shelf, right? That takes up a lot of room and they're falling down as they're trying to look at them. But if I put it in a shoebox bin and can just flip through books, it's so much easier and more user-friendly. So um, I also have the thought that like I'm in elementary and a lot of my kids can't read yet <laughs> in the younger classes. And so what can I do to make it easier? Can I incorporate pictures? Um, and a lot of it for me is displaying books as much as possible, space out and making the room on the shelves for that. So for example, my nonfiction, I want to have room on every shelf that if this is a shelf about books about sharks, I want to have a face out shark book on that shelf so that kids can find it easily and they kind of know where to go. And I think, especially with nonfiction, once you make that switch, it really makes an impact in how much kids will go right to the shelves to look for stuff. So we still use signage and all that important stuff. And, you know, we genreify and we have Dewey and that kind of stuff. But um, it's really been about kind of overhauling the number of sections that I have and the types of ways that we're displaying the books. Well, and it makes it for the kids feel like something that they see different every time they come, you know, like we do in our library, a lot of switching out, like every single day as books come in and they go out and special events or things that we want to feature. And I think that's the neat thing is it's like they're coming in, you know, to a place where they see something new and exciting that they want to pick up and they don't just come into a place where there's a lot of old books or things aren't interesting. Or it's hard to see them because they don't want to mess up the shelves and all that stuff. And, and I think that there's a really great purpose to all of it. Um, and one of my ways of, I actually was just telling somebody this today, I got these incredible 
so, okay. My new school is very resource rich. It's a new experience for me and has a very supportive PATO that has a lot of funding and they had a grant round and I got these amazing mag brows bent like front facing picture book browser bins that are acrylic and clear that just go right on the shelf so that all the picture books can just be face out. And they're incredible. Um, they're very expensive, but they're great. I got them from Demco. Um, and my PTO supported me in doing that for like all my picture book shelves. So in my first school, I had had the ones that were already there when I got there that are wooden and they're, they were on casters, which was great where like the top is browsing and the bottom had a cubby and it was like two-sided. So I saw the difference that made um, to have things face out. And it's a really beautiful way to make it a little easier for shelving because we just need to go by the letter of the author. Um, and I've had some people question me as far as like teachers that may be looking for one specific title. Um, and, and I have to remind them that like our space is primarily for student use first and foremost. And then if it takes us slightly longer to find something that we're getting for a teacher, that's okay because we as the adults can put in that little bit of extra effort if we need to. Um, but for reshelving purposes, it's so much faster also. So I do a lot of those face out bins and the other great thing and part of the reason that I do so much in clear, like all my bins are clear transparent bins is because I can highlight books by the covers more easily. And one of the great things in our picture book section now is like when I look around the shelves, I have just, I have like 11 of those units times three. So 33 chances to put a book in the front. That is one that I want people to see and that I will help show representation of all kinds of people that make up the community that we live in and people from outside of the community that we live in. So it's a really, um, beautiful way and a little bit of a subversive way to promote representation, right? And, and inclusiveness in as much as we can to show the diversity of the types of books that we have and, and the characters and, the, and what we see on the book covers. So it just gives me more chances to promote that as much as possible, which can be really important too. Oh, I love that. I know. And that's one thing that I love all the things that you share. And I, of course, wanted you to share that for those of you who maybe haven't heard of Classroom Book a Day and the things that you do around it is just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, so that was inspired by Donna Miller's Book a Day Challenge that she did for teachers. Um, back in the end of 2014 school year, I was teaching middle school, was getting ready for my own book a day in the summer and surveying students and um, I used to read a couple picture books during the year to students and try to do novels, but they took so much time and it kind of all coalesced into this idea of what if I read aloud a picture book every day and did book a day in the classroom with students and had 180 chances to talk about a complete text. And that's the very short version of saying something that has like completely grown across the country, across the world of teachers doing this with reading aloud a picture book every day, very intentionally, um, not meant to be an interactive read aloud, but just a true pure, like read straight through. It's a great opportunity to then have a plethora of books you can pull back for mini lessons later on and dive into. And um, another kind of subversive way to work around some of the curriculum things that may be difficult or um, topics that maybe aren't brought up that need to be in a community. It's very responsive to the students because you can bring things in depending on what's going on in the classroom or in the community or in the families or whatever the case may be. And 
every teacher who's ever done it has said that their classroom community is so much stronger because of it and because of how they're approaching all of these books and that this is just what we do. And it kind of got really popular too, because it was the time like Pinterest and Instagram and all that, right. And Twitter that like, there was a grid, I had a big grid of 180 squares on the wall and then would put up the book cover every day as we read, um, mostly so that I would remember what we <laughs> were reading and had already read, but students really referred to it a lot and did a lot more synthesizing between books and stuff like that. So it shifted a bit when I came into the library and I still use some of the concepts of displaying the books that we read aloud and, you know, doing a chart and that kind of stuff. Um, but now I do more of supporting teachers who are doing it. And um, what I've done in my library, actually in the picture book section, which I kind of really love, is done a Mrs. Heisey's favorites. So I have a whole little section. We had a smaller shelf area that became Mrs. Heisey's favorites. So I do that so that if teachers need books for read aloud and they can't get to me or I'm not available at the time, um, that they can come down and go to that section and be pretty confident that anything in there is going to be a high quality book. Um, and I do, so we sublocate them in, in Follett and Destiny so that we have them, um, we know where they are. We organized them this year. We figured out to do it by title of the book because most often if I'm recommending a book, I'm telling people the title before I do authors and we can do that without having to look it up in the computer. So they're organized by title in bins um, and then they have a purple dot on the top and we don't use the purple dot sticker for anything else. And the other thing that's really nice is for reshelving, we know that they go there. And when it comes time to do weeding the picture books, which we'll have to do because we'll run out of space eventually Eventually, um, we know that those are the books that I kind of don't really need to look at twice. As long as they're still in good shape, we're going to be keeping that book because it is one that I've already indicated is a book that we want to keep in the library. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. That I have well, some students who go right to that section too, because they're like, oh, what, what did you like? And that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. And I think that teachers, like I have teachers say that all the time, like that they they need those recommendations, not just because of the time, but they want to make sure that it's something that someone has read or has, you know, read something or seen it somewhere. And they know that they, we've spent time like putting it in these areas that are important for our kids and our community. So I love that too. Yeah. I know. So I'm sure that people would love to know like where they find all these ideas and resources. And, and that's something why I love following you on Instagram because I get to see everything you post. So. <laughs> yeah. So I am, I'm out on Twitter and on Instagram, Heisey Reads. Um, the blog is HeiseyReads.com. You can always find it with classroombookaday.com also and get to the same blog site. Um, so it's Heisey, H-E-I-S-E. And um, I do, I share a lot out there. We, if you're doing classroom book a day, I do have a Facebook group. We have like almost 15,000 people in it. I think now it's massive. It's wild to think about what it was, you know, eight years ago, but um, there's a lot of ideas shared out there also, which is really kind of um, helpful and great to be able to, to share in those spaces as well. So I'm out there. You can find me <laughs> and at conferences and stuff like that also. So Exactly. And I have to ask before we wrap up. So I know that we have, you know, around a month or a few weeks of school left. And so as you look forward to 
things that you want to do next year? What is like that, that hot idea in your head? Cause that's where I'm at right now at school and home and thinking like, you know, all the things that we want to do. Yeah. So it's been a journey this year. I mean, I went in and weeded like 4,000 out of 8,000 books in the first two months. Um, it's been a massive project. We have ordered a lot of new books. So I feel like our sections are pretty good with our independent readers for kind of like those transitional texts and that kind of stuff. Picture books have gotten pretty solid pulling out nonfiction picture books and biography picture books into different sections, traditional tales, all that. But the, um, what I do is I have everybody nonfiction for kind of like my second grade reading level and below in just kind of topic bins by whatever topics we need to make based on the number of books we have in general. But what I haven't yet touched is the rest of the nonfiction for the older kids. So right now it's just Dewey and there's a lot of faults with Dewey and things that don't make as much sense, especially for elementary kids. So um, our next big thing is figuring out how do we want to revamp the nonfiction um, and, and what are we going to use? There's a bunch of ideas out there of ways we could do it. So kind of figuring out and solidifying which one we want to use. Um, and the other big thing I want to do is genre for lack of a better term, my biography books by like type of famous person, you know, music, movies, you know, presidents, whatever it may be, kind of figure out, hone in on what those categories might be. So those are the two big things. And then at home, I just want to get through my stacks and stacks and stacks of to be read picture books that have gotten overwhelming this year. And I have not gotten through because I was in a new school and there was a lot of work involved. <laughs> You'll have a busy summer. See, that will keep you busy and post about them. I know favorite, my favorite kind of book or picture book. So it's, it's just so fun to share and see what everybody's reading so many good ones out there right now. They're just, it's, it's a beautiful age of picture books that we're in. And some of the best art happening is in picture books. Oh, it's amazing. We had a big delivery this last week when I was at TLA, I got home to a lot of just amazing ones. And I was so excited to bring them to school today and share with my associate Natasha and some teachers. And it's just, it's just, it's so inspiring to see what is, what is happening in the world of picture books. There's a lot of good out there that authors are trying to do and giving us the kinds of stories kids need. So it's a really great time. Thank you for everything that you shared and just everything that you contribute to the world of libraries. I just really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun to chat. Oh, it sure has. And I know that everybody will also want to know her information and I will make sure that we will include that along with a certificate of professional development that you can download and fill out to use. As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. And a very special thank you to our sponsors, Follett. You make a difference in our library schools and within our lives and that of our students every day. We appreciate everything you do. I hope you can take what you learned in today's podcast and put it to use within your practice as a future ready librarian. Until next time, friends, keep finding ways to lead within and from your library.